Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast, where we are enjoying the calm before the storm, the calm before we find out who our two 2018 NCAA tournament finalists are, and then we find out who, after this crazy, crazy season, is going to be the 2018 NCAA tournament champion. I don't know if we could have a more exciting Final Four. I mean, I think the numbers uh, of all the seeds added up uh, give us uh, an intriguing number. Um, We have a couple of Blue Bloods on one side uh, with Villanova and Kansas. And then we also have uh, your preseason pick of Michigan. And then we have uh, the the darling, the Cinderella, the underdog, uh, the mid-major, Loyola Chicago. So... I think I think this paints a perfect picture, and I think it's going to give us a really solid Final Four uh, this week, and I'm totally looking forward to it. It is a perfect Final Four. I think it's beautiful. I think we have the blue blood in Kansas. I think we have the mini blue blood in Villanova. I yep. think we have the great coach, not that the other guys aren't, but John Beeline, who wasn't expected to be here. People thought they were going to reload, and he's been able to come back here to the finals again for the second time after the 2013 uh, season against Louisville when Trey Burke hit the big shot against Kansas, ironically. And then Loyola Chicago. You want the Cinderella. And I disagree with Stephen A. Smith, who was talking on ESPN, and he said he doesn't want Loyola Chicago in the finals. His view is the view of most of the public, I think, partner, that they want the upsets early, but they want the great teams late. Right. I think it's differently. I, I think you want a Cinderella. I think it's it's a it's a group of people that everybody's rooting for. And Gus, I'll tell you this: the more that game goes on when Loyola Chicago is playing, the more people are going to be rooting for them in San Antonio than Michigan. No, without question. I think if you're if you're not invested in Michigan, whether it be graduate, booster, family member, uh, so on, I, I I think everybody might be rooting for Loyola Chicago. I don't. I, I think it. I think yeah. I think that number is going to be a lot bigger than you think. And I think as as you mentioned, if the game prolongs and, and plays out kind of like we think it might, I think there's going to be a lot of people interested and a lot of people rooting for uh, rooting for Loyola Chicago. So, Mike, do, do you think we should just give the listeners who we think are going to win these final four games, our rationale behind it, uh, maybe some reasoning, maybe some things to look uh, pay closer attention to when you tune into the game this weekend? I'm ready. I've been hot lately. Uh, I had, had a tough tournament there. Uh, did not go well for me. But lately, I've been spot on in my reads here. I feel pretty good. I'm ready to go. Let's let's do some picks. Okay, so let's start on your let's start on your left side of your bracket, and we're going to start with uh, the number 11 seed, Loyal Chicago, uh, against the number three seed, Michigan Wolverines. Uh, Mike, let's just I'll kick it to you first and then I'll I'll counter. Are you feeling strongly one way or the other? You got a good read on this. Do you have a vibe going into this game? Do you feel like the 11 seed has a shot here? Not only do I think they have a shot, I think they're going to win the game. I I don't know what else Loyola Chicago needs to do to make people realize that they're one of the best teams in the country. This has not been a magic carpet ride for them. They've had to earn it the whole way through. They played a Miami team that is very big inside, that has superior players like Lonnie Walker. Yes, they needed a three-pointer at the buzzer to basically beat them, but a lot of teams have to go through that you know, throughout the entire time. I think Michigan needed a pretty nice shot against Houston. I mean, these things happen. Then after that, they played Tennessee, a very physical team, a team that really pounded them inside, that can shoot the three well, and they handled them 
and beat them 63-62. Then they played a Nevada team that was scalding hot, that was very much like them, that had a magic carpet ride, that had superior athletes, two superior athletes in my mind in the Martin brothers, who are better than any of the athletes who will be on the floor for Michigan. And then they went up against Kansas State, a Big 12, a, bi- a powerhouse, you know, a team from a Power 5 conference, and they smoked them and it wasn't even close. They, against the three-pointer, and this is why I'm picking Loyola Chicago, against the three-pointer, they are the 30th best team in the country, holding opponents to 32.2%. I have to assume, Gus, that they're not going to have a horrific day against Michigan. Now, maybe Michigan will get hot and make some shots, and that's fine. But I think the most reliable thing that's going to occur in this game on either side is Loyola Chicago is going to make threes. Michigan was 98 this year against opposing teams' three-point percentage. They held them to 33.4. That's okay, but it's not great. So I don't see how Loyola Chicago doesn't make threes. They don't have uh, – Moritz Wagner is not a dominant player inside. He's a Euro big. Mm-hmm. And I love the way that they, they work with the freshmen inside for Loyola Chicago. So I don't know why people are not jumping on the Loyola Chicago bus. The five-and-a-half point line is idiotic. It's at, No one's blown them out yet. And we think Michigan is going to. And I'm the Michigan man. I'm right. the guy who loves Michigan. But I think they have a gr- tremendous point guard in Clayton Custer. I think they're going. They're hot right now. I think their team basketball and offense is great. I think their defense is spectacular. They strip players when they try to get inside. I don't think they'll get beat off. They weren't beat off the dribble by Kansas State. They're not going to get beat off the dribble by, dribble by Michigan. If they didn't have such a great coach in Michigan, I'd be even more confident. I'm a little nervous about Beeline Gus, but I think Loyola Chicago covers easily, and I think they win the game outright, and we will see Cinderella in the championship game on Monday. Wow. Uh, that is exactly what the listeners are hoping to hear. I'm just going to give you a couple stats just to back up what you're saying. Uh, you have Custard shoots 45% from three. Yeah. In- yeah. Ingram shoots 40. Town shoots 40. Yes. Uh, Jackson shoots 36. Ben Richard shoots 40% off the bench. And then you got Lucas Williams, who shoots 42% from three, who's a 6'4 frosh playing over 20 minutes a game in the tournament. And maybe it's Williamson's turn. This time, because every single player that we just mentioned has had a starring role for the uh, uh, for the Ramblers, and maybe it's Williamson's turn in this game against Michigan. I'm going to go the other way here. Here's why I'm going to go the other way. Uh, I really like that the Ramblers are only allowing 62.4 points uh, per game. That's uh, top 10 in the country, maybe even top five. Um, so, but Michigan's defensive efficiency rating via Ken Palm is also. Uh, you know, a top five defense. So the game is going to be slowed down. It's going to be played at a certain pace. The game is going to be won in the 60s. I think both teams are going to be strangely comfortable playing at this slower pace and not feel like they need to get sped up. However, I don't know if Loyal Chicago has somebody to match up with either Livers or Robinson. Both those guys are 6'6", I'm sorry, 6'7", or 6'8". we just mentioned the, the the roster for the Ramblers. All of those guys are between you know six three and six six. So maybe that just like slight edge in length at the swing position, uh, maybe the stretch four with Livers and Robinson. I think that would be. I think that's going to be a factor. I also think Wagner is going to outplay Cameron Kutrig uh, down low. I know they're similar in size, uh, six nine to six eleven. Uh, Kutrig is really efficient. He shoots sixty uh, percent from the field. Um, but I think this might be the time. I think he's like. 
I think he's Wagner two years ago, right? I think that's a perfect comparison. But I think Wagner has his like breakout game here. And I can see if he goes for 17 plus, and then I think they actually match up really well with uh, Matthews on, on the wing as well. So I think Livers, Robinson, uh, difference makers, maybe one of those guys goes for double digits or has an impactful play. And then I think Wagner is actually going to be the difference maker as far as uh, players on the roster. So I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to jump on your mission bandwagon and turn it right against you. And hopefully they run you right over uh, in this final four. And I, I think Michigan gets to that title game and maybe, Maybe they win it this time. Who knows? You know, it's so wonderful to hear you picking Michigan here in the Final Four. This must have been like if I was picking Purdue on the other side. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a little odd that I'm backing the team. It's that so I'm funny. Kind of like building yeah. an argument against all year. But yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, I, I agree. I think Livers is an untapped resource, but he's gone 2 2 0 and 0 in points. So he'd have to True. have a breakout game, which can happen. He can totally right. have a breakout game. I could see that happening. I guess the other game that kind of swung me here was the Houston game, Gus, because yeah. Listen, they shot 7 of 18, Houston did 38.9% from three-point range, and mm-hmm. Rob Gray went off. I don't see Michigan, and I know their defense has been great with, with Joklic. I, I think he's done a, a fantastic job, but it's not like they've been perfect on defense. I mean, they smoked Texas A&M, a good, good right, lord, with that right. game. But I, I think that Loyalist Chicago is going to score, and I – I, I don't know. I, I don't know why it's five and a half. I think that that's absurd. I, why are they now going to fall apart? And I know it's a dome. I get it, San Antonio. Well, is Michigan going to be hot in a dome? Maybe. I mean, we saw Buddy Heald couldn't hit the broad side of a barn in a dome, and all of a sudden Villanova couldn't miss. I get that. I love Michigan. Michigan. I'm happy for him. But I have to admit, I'm buying the mojo. Sister Jean, get me a shirt. <laughs> That'd be great if she got you a T-shirt. Uh, here's the last thing I'm gonna I'm gonna throw at you, uh, just in this matchup overall. Do you think that Do you think that Michigan is gonna get antsy on the defensive end and on the offensive end if this game is close in the second half? Let's say after the like I don't know under twelve timeout. Do you think they get a little anxious? Do you think they get antsy? Maybe they, 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 they foul on the defensive end uh, and don't play the solid D that they've been playing all year. And maybe they jack a couple of quick early shot clock uh, threes or bad twos and thus giving Loyola Chicago an, an additional opportunity on the offensive end. Like I, I can kind of see that happening if Loyola Chicago can keep this thing tight, close, and competitive through the first half and uh, through the first couple of minutes of the second half. That's well said. I, I think they could force some bad shots. I do. I saw some of those bad shots. Remember you did your solo pod? I had a, to go away for work. The Purdue-Michigan game. Yeah. The one that uh-huh. was in Purdue. Michigan yep. fought tooth and nail in that game. But Purdue, they ended up taking a couple really head-scratching shots late in the game because mm-hmm. I think they their weakness, and they're wonderful, but I think sometimes – if the one guy is hot, Abdur, Rahman, Matthews, that's the guy who takes the game over. I don't think Loyola Chicago will let that happen. And I agree with you. I think Loyola Chicago is going to spread it out. They don't care who gets the threes. They just want them to score. My advice, as much as I am – watch this, folks. I'm going to tell John Beeline what to do. Okay, I'm just going to tell you right now what to do. <laughs> take, take notes. Get Here we go. This is How funny is this? A coach – I know that your system of taking Moritz Wagner out for Teske 
Okay, like three minutes into the game, like he has a very, very fixed discipline um, substitution pattern. Okay, my advice to Coach Beeline from the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast is: if you want to beat Loyola Chicago, scrap the subbing. Because Moritz Wagner is the difference maker. Crutwig right. can't come out and guard Moritz Wagner. So Teske comes in. Crutwig's wiping his brow here like Bill Self against, uh, you know, when they won the national title against Memphis. Okay. I think if he gets out of that and, and says, listen, Moritz, you declared for the draft last year. You decided to come back, whatever it was. Big guy, give me 36 minutes tonight. I think that's their best shot to win. That make any sense? It does make a little sense because I think that is a better matchup for Loyal Chicago in some strange way, even though he totally outlanks them and outheights them, you know, testing on the defensive end and probably would cause problems in the paint. But that's not where they're going to run most of their offense. They're going to run some of their most of their offense out on the perimeter. So I think even if they do do that, I think that totally plays into their hands, just like you said. That's what Coach Moser has to figure out, too, because Crutwick hasn't been guarding a guy who can step out and shoot like that. You know, he wasn't he wasn't dealing with the uh, the big man on Kansas State. So he's had those. Situ- this is a unique situation. So I think it's a fascinating X and O's game. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I want to see both these coaches match, match wits, uh, whether it be in the first half with that initial substitution pattern that you mentioned or in the second half where they're looking for halftime adjustments. You want to see who comes out of the locker room making that halftime adjustment that could be the tweak. That can, you know, give that team, I'm I'm expecting to be a tight game, give that team like that three or four point cushion that didn't exist earlier. I think that's going to be fascinating too, to see who adjusts coming out of the timeout. And another thing that I'd like to point out for this game, which I think is going to play a large role. I think dead ball sets like off of timeouts or out of bounds. I think those sets are going to be crucial in this game. I think whoever, I think if you, if you can somehow chart this, which I'm sure we can, um, if you can chart who is more efficient on their out-of-bounds, on their offensive end uh, with a set play, I bet that team, I bet the percentages go to that team winning. That's what I think. And I also think like that goes back to the coaching. Both these are great coaches. But I bet whichever team executes in that situation at the highest percentage is going to lean towards, the needle's going to lean towards them uh, gaining a victory. Yeah, if you're a high school coach, get your pad with you during this game. You get some great inbounds plays. No, without question. That, 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 that goes without saying. I mean, that's, I think any, anybody is, even if you're just like a, a casual fan, I think you're going to be trying to draw up stuff, even if you're, you know, coaching for your, you know, fifth grade uh, boys uh, CYO team. I think you'll probably do the same thing. All right, let's hit the, let, let, let's hit the uh, right side of your bracket where we have the number one team, Kansas, versus the number one team, Villanova. Kansas had to take down Penn and Seton Hall. Great game with Seton Hall. Tight game with Clemson, tighter game than it ended up being than the score actually said. And then they had to take down Duke in overtime, which I think you could argue is, is you know, up for the running in the best game for this particular tournament. Uh, and then you have Villanova, who had to defeat Radford uh, after they won the playing game, uh, Colin Sexton in Alabama, and then out tough West Virginia in the second half, and then take down a kind of depleted Texas Tech team after the fact. Uh, which we were all looking forward to that matchup with with Evans and Brunson at the point guard position. So, Mike, give us a rundown. How do you see these two number one seeds matching up? Do you see one team having an advantage in one matchup? What's amazing is I'm actually rooting for Bill Self here. I've come full circle. That coach, <laughs> yeah. 
Gus, this is fascinating. Gus, you will never hear me criticize Bill Self again. That coaching job, all the people at work are saying to me, that's nuts. You're going to go back in two seconds. I said, no. No. That coaching job he did against Duke was truly spectacular. Outstanding. This is a weak Kansas team in comparison to the other teams that they have. He has great guards in Mihailik and Graham. He has Azubuki inside, somewhat hurt, somewhat on one leg. Uh, Malik Newman has been the best player so far for them in this tournament. I understand he, he, that. He's looked outstanding. Villanova put so much pressure on you on the offensive end with their ball handling. Five guys who can attack the basket. There is absolutely no way Kansas can win this game. The only – there's none. I, I I mean, you want to tell me they shoot 65% from three-point range? Okay. Assuming there's no injuries – and assuming Kansas doesn't do something otherworldly, Villanova is going to win this game. They're just simply too good across the board. They're second in the country in effective field goal percentage as per Ken Palm. They're number one in adjusted offensive efficiency. They're third in two-point field goal percentage at 58.8. They're Underra- number, underrated stat there. They're number, yeah, John Gasway. They're number nine in free throw percentage, 78% from the field. I don't see a weakness anywhere. And the one thing that's a killer for Kansas is because they're not big inside and because they have a limited bench, you know, Villanova doesn't have a limited bench, Gus. Cosby Roundtree gives them a couple minutes, but again, they have the greatest six man in the country in Dante DiVincenzo, who is going to be a better pro than Jalen Brunson, who is going to be a better pro than Mikhail Bridges. That's right. I said it here. I think he's Clay Thompson. They have depth. And Omari Spellman, the difference between Omari Spellman, Gus, at the beginning of the season and now is spectacular. I'm rooting for Kansas. Great job by Bill Self. Heart of a champion. Kansas can't play defense. Villanova's got their bench back. Phil Boots, a nice little guy off the bench. Their, Their rebounding stats are terrible. They're 143rd in offensive rebounding. They're 290th. In, in keep in defensive rebounding, so they're not very strong there. I cannot see a way Kansas can win this game. If you ask me, the outcome I am most positive on is that Villanova wins and they cover the five and a half. I'm with you. I'm not on the other side of you for this game. I also think Villanova is going to win this game, so neither one of us are going out on a limb here. Here's the monkey wrench I'm going to throw at you. You just, you just mentioned and through kudos and, and rose petals in Coach Self's direction, right? Just like you called Coach Beeline and says, Coach Beeline, here's what you should probably do if you want to win this game. I am going to do the same thing for Coach Self. Coach Self, listen in, get your notebook out, maybe explore this option in this game versus Villanova. The one, part, the one advantage that you do own in every single matchup on the floor is Azabuki as a true big who can be an impact player down low and change things on both ends of the floor. Why not attempt, even just for a couple of minutes, try playing D'Souza and Azabuki together and let Villanova respond? I think if you put both of those guys out there, I, I think that Coach Wright will, number one, scratch his head and see, hmm, we haven't seen this before. We didn't game plan for this lineup. What am I going to do here? You're going to get a matchup that you uh, that, that's going to be advantageous for you, and that might help solve some of those rebounding problems. I'm not saying put them out there for 20 minutes at a time, but I'm going to say, why don't you make Coach Wright make a decision and react to that? I'll go that's, that, 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 that's That's my advice of how they might actually surprise them 
on uh, the offensive and defensive end. I'll go even further. I said this today to a big Villanova fan I know who's actually flying down for the game. I would start in a zone. He said, well, I don't think they'll start in a zone. I go, why not? I said, start in a zone. Well, Villanova can make three. Villanova's going to make threes. Villanova's probably not going to have a terrible shooting game yet again for the second time in a row. Correct. Texas that, Tech was tremendous. But right. if they want to play both bigs together, which I think is intriguing, and they want to make things a little different and slow Villanova down, right, so they yeah. don't get up and down, play his own. Mix yeah. it up. And Self has done that. He did the triangle in two, but throw a little triangle in two at him. That's what he did when he went to Kentucky against the, that, was that, that Monk Fox team. It was yeah. brilliant. And they won that game with Mason and everybody. I think he's going to have something up his sleeve. I agree with you. I think he's going to have something very different and try something a little different for Villanova. I think that Villanova's talent and their balance and their offensive skill is just too much to overcome. But I think Bill Self's going to show very nicely in this game. Something like you said. Yeah, something like that. I, yeah, I can see him doing something uh, a bit radical like that. Maybe, uh, who knows, maybe even he even throws Lightfoot out there at the same time and they just run this three giant big alignment and then really forcing Coach Wright, like, what are we going to do with this? And again, I think what you mentioned that, like, you know, the, the Graham-Brunson matchup is going to be spectacular. It, it's going to be, that, that that could be one of the fine, that, that might even be better than, than, than Brunson and Keenan Evans. It might be better than Brunson and Javon Carter. I don't know. But, like, just look at those three matchups. We've been so spoiled. And Brunson has had to earn his money in these three matchups. And this does not stop with Devontae Graham. I bet uh, C. Mihailik does a better job than you think on the defensive end, whether he's matched up against uh, Spellman or Bridges or wherever they decide to assign him because he did a great job against Bagley uh, with Duke. And so I think that might be an underrated thing to take take a peek at if you're, you know, kind of pulling for Kansas. But I agree. I can't see Villanova having back-to-back poor shooting games from three. And if they do, they showed you that they could still win a game, an elite eight game, by missing a ton of threes, by getting to the offensive board, and then being really accurate on their twos. So there's just too much weaponry and too many options for Villanova on the offensive end for Kansas to cover. I just don't think that Kansas has the personnel uh, and the roster right now to match up and win this game against Villanova. Yeah, keep in mind, too, that Svima Hylik is a 45% shooter on the season from three-point range. And so far in this tournament, he is only 8 of 21. Interesting. Right? So he scored 10, 16, 9, and 11 points. He missed two wide-open threes against Duke. Don't good be point. surprised if Svima Hylik has a good game here. And in these games, you know, like we, we mentioned in the previous game, you're going to have to have somebody that's not bullet point one or bullet point two on the scouting report to come up with a big game. Like you're going to need somebody else besides Brunson and Bridges to go off. You're going to need somebody else, somebody else besides Newman and Graham to go off. Uh, you know, in the previous game, you're going to have somebody else besides Wagner to go off. You're going to have somebody else besides Custer to go off. Like you need somebody else to step up to win one of these games, and maybe he's the candidate to do that. And you got to put Mikhail Bridges on Malik Newman. He can't let Malik Newman go off here. I think he's got to put Bridges on Newman. You know he's going to play man, and if he doesn't start with that, that's a mistake. And I know that Bridges has gotten some foul trouble recently. Had two fouls right. in the last game. But I think you tell Bridges, you got you to hold this kid down. Because otherwise, Graham's not going to take the game over early. You know, Mihaila can make some shots as a Buki inside, right. whatever. You don't, you, don't, you don't think that they would just stick Booth on him and let Booth do his thing? Because Booth is really, is really sound defensively. I know, but I think Newman's too big for Booth. 
I think he's too. I think I, I think, think they're I think I think they're similar. I mean, I know I know Newman's long, but I think long. they're pretty similar in build. I think he's long. I, I think that's the. I would listen. He may. I mean, he may do that. I I, I think you're wasting. I think Booth. Ha, I think Booth eliminates Svima Hilek. Okay, so sure. It, or or if he puts him on every gram, if he puts him on each other out. Yeah, I I just think that Newman is the X factor. Bridges is the best. I think Bridges is the best defender. His length, his ability, his yeah. uh, everything he does. His la- I, his lateral movement is really underrated. I agree. If yeah. I, if I'm if I'm Jay Wright, I'm I'm not having Malik Newman have a game here. We're taking Malik Newman the hell out of this game. All right, and then we'll worry about Graham and Mihailik. And I think Mihailik can be handled because Booth is a great defender. If you put Booth on Newman, I'm not sure about that. Newman Newman is so hot right now. I think we really got to get up in his grill a little bit. I, I agree. He is playing out of his head. Again, he's. you could argue he's played like one of the top five players in the whole entire tournament. I, I, don't think, I don't think that's crazy. 100%. Now that you have, we have our picks in for the final four, do you want to go hop on the do 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 do? Do you want to hop on the coaching carousel a little yeah, bit? And carousel, just catch everybody been up? nuts. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's it's been a little crazy. Um, so we'll we'll give you a rundown of what's happened, and then uh, we'll end with a couple of guesses of uh, of things that are still open and and things that uh, are still to occur and are still in, you know in the works as far as we know. Uh, as we're recording this podcast. So Mike, I, how about we just start with one, you know, one of our favorites. How about we start with Kermit Davis at Old Miss? Um, do you think, obviously we both agree like good hire, but what's your, you know, just initial takeaway, you know, one liner on, on what you think Kermit's going to do there and what coach Davis is going to change there at Old Miss. I love Kermit Davis going to Old Miss. You know, my wife was very upset about this because she wanted him to stay at Middle Tennessee. Okay. She didn't like that. So All right. She's like, oh, Kermit, you know, I wish he would stay. I understand that, guys. But he's 58 years old. This is a guy whose career coaching tree went from Mississippi State as an assistant to Southwest Mississippi Community College to Idaho as an assistant to the head coach at Idaho to the head coach at Texas A&M for a year. To Chipola uh, Junior College as an assistant, to Chipola Junior College as the head coach, to Utah State as an assistant, back to Idaho for a year, to LSU for an assistant, and to Middle Tennessee for 16 years. The guy's been waiting for this job. He's been waiting for a Power 5 job. He's been waiting to go back to Mississippi. And most importantly, he's been waiting for the payday. So I love Kermit Davis going to Old Miss. I'm excited about that. I think he can get things going there and, and really you know get them up in a very tough SEC he goes in, Gus, with no expectations. That's always the job you want. You want the potential yeah. of a Power 5 program that mm-hmm. didn't have a winning season, right? Because that's job security. They were 5-13 and 13 last year. That was behind Vanderbilt. It was 6-12. and 12. They're last in the SEC. I love it. I wish him well. They only won one road game in the SEC last year. I think Kermit will get that program right. Uh, I think if you give him a year to get some of his players in there that he really likes and that he gets to play the way that he played at Middle Tennessee, which is a little bit slow down, get in your face and have good athletes and good shooters surrounding those good athletes. I think that makes sense. Um, I, and again, we love Kermit. Uh, I think a superior hire by Old Miss. Only game, right. only game that Old Miss won on the road this year in conference, Gus. Any recollection? This is really going deep, by the way. Sorry. Uh, uh, how about was it again? Overtime on the road. Overtime was against 
uh, was against Florida? No, Missouri. God, I thought you would get it. No one in the world Missouri. would have gotten that game. Yes, at 9087, <laughs> they won that game. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> no Michael Porter Jr., of course. Uh, well, uh, Mike Porter Jr., and he's declared. Let me tell you something. Everyone loves him. No one's seen him play. Oh, I got to tell you, the kid's unstoppable. Have you seen him play? No, I really have. Oh, okay. All right, fine. That's great. I've seen 53 minutes of game tape. I know that. Um, <laughs> legitimately. Well, And how about this? Listeners, later on next week and the following week, Mike and I will do a little rundown of who's like declared and hired an agent, not hired an agent, and give you a little rundown of that and get you all caught up. Uh, obviously, we'll, we can devote a whole podcast to that. Um, all right, but let's stick with the coaching carousel. Uh, how about – were you intrigued by Jeff Capel going to Pitt, the former Duke assistant and the former uh, Oklahoma head coach? Do you think that even though he might have been like the head coach and waiting at Duke, he just wanted to take another shot at this thing? I think it's a great hire for Pitt. I think they couldn't have done any better. I think this is a little bit above where, like, you know, that we were guessing of where they would reach. So what did you think of, of the Capel hire by Pitt on both sides? What do you think of Capel's decision to go there? And what do you think of Pitt's get of Jeff Capel, who's been a very successful head coach at the D1 level uh, at Oklahoma? We sure about very successful. He made an Elite Eight with, he made elite eight with, uh, with uh, Griffin. I think you could have made an elite with Blake Griffin, don't you think? I, that was my point. Is I know right. a lot of people are saying in the media that he was the head coach and waiting at Duke. Why is that exactly? If if I'm the athletic director of Duke, I'm not hiring Jeff Capel. Why? Because he's Shashevsky's player, right? Oh, oh okay. Uh, so is Cherokee Parks. Am I hiring him? I mean, I I, I just so great I, great great tattoos for Cherokee Parks. I don't think it. that Jeff Capel has done anything to distinguish himself as a massively successful head coach here. VCU, okay, did all right. Oklahoma, sure. yeah, did fine. Okay, then he, he, he gets fired from Oklahoma. Okay, certainly mm-hmm. that's suboptimal. He comes to Duke for seven years. I think it's the right hire for Pittsburgh because I think he brings cachet. He brings a name, and Pittsburgh is horrific right now. Okay, well, they have that mass exodus, by the way. Hear those noises? All those kids running out, okay, after, <laughs> after Stallings is fired. So I, I like it for them. I think he will get them back to mediocrity. That much I can tell you. I don't think Jeff Capel is turning this program around. I think he's getting it back to solid. Go, they had uh, John Shire going there initially. Now it's Jeff Capel. So I think it's a good hire for them. But yeah. no, I I don't. I would not have turned the reins over when Shashevsky leaves to Jeff Capel. No way. Interesting. I, I don't think I would have either, but I think that's one of the terms that's got thrown around with him, especially because he was one of the uh, lead assistants uh, for Shashevsky and do- has done a lot of good, great recruiting, especially with uh, the last couple of years with all the ones and duns that um, uh, uh, Duke has brought in. Uh, all right. How, t- you, you talked about payday with Kermit Davis. How about the payday that Chris Mack is going to get from Louisville? Seven years at almost $4 million a year. Uh, again, go on both sides of this for us, Mike. Give us the uh, Louisville take and then also give us the Chris Mack take of like why he decided to leave Xavier and, and go chase the money and go to ACCville in uh, Louisville. So I think Chris Mack leaving is a no-brainer. I put that tweet out about the mm-hmm. – it was, it was a, a recruit who was being uh, – you know sort of recruited by Xavier, was now being told by the assistant coaches at Xavier a couple days ago, he's now recruiting for Louisville. Right. <laughs> okay? So that's that's a, that's a little revealing. I, I think Chris Mack obviously has to take the job. I understand that. And listen, you know my thoughts, folks. I'm going to keep it real here. He was the A-10 coach of the year in 2011. He's been at Xavier as an assistant. He was there for two years. Then he was at Wake Forest as an assistant for three years. 
Then he was Xavier as an assistant for five. And he's been at, at, at Xavier for, for nine years now. He was an assistant there, now head coach. He has a 68% winning percentage. In the NCAA tournament, he's 10-7. and seven. Okay? He had a great run last year. I understand that. I wouldn't say he had a great season. I think he had a nice run. My point is this. I love. I like Jonathan Isaac. I think Jonathan Isaac is a good basketball player. My point was, I don't think Jonathan Isaac was ready to come in and dominate in the NBA. Now, Jonathan Isaac this year, he was talked about in our podcast, and we'll be doing our NBA draft previews as well, folks, so don't forget about that. He's averaging five points and 3.6 rebounds. Okay, now listen, maybe next year that's 12 points and seven rebounds, and the year after, maybe that's 22 points and and 13 rebounds. I get it. I don't think Chris Mack is making a Final Four at Louisville. So I will tell you this, partner. I have my doubts on whether Chris Mack is the next great coach in the country who's going to get Louisville back to the Final Four. I don't know about that. Now, listen, do I think it's a great hire for Louisville? Sure, the program's in freaking disarray, okay? But I don't know if that's the best hire they could have gotten. So I think the jury's out on Chris Mack. Nice job at Xavier. Did a good thing. Had Trayvon Blewett. I get it. Not sure about this one. Not sure if this is Calipari to Kentucky-ish. That's my thought. Fair enough. I think it's just the perfect, predictable congl- uh, uh, conglomerate of events here. I think he, I think he left after he won a Big East title and dethroned uh, Villanova. That's true. Louisville needed a name, needed a big-time name, needed a name with clout, success, both in season, uh, regular season and postseason. It was the absolute perfect timing, and if you're going to throw that much money at anybody, not just Chris Mack, if you're going to give that much money to anybody, guess what they're going to do? They're probably going to shake your hand and say, where do I sign? So I think it was just the, I think it was, uh, uh, the perfect uh, storm of events, and I think that you know you mentioned uh, Mac does have ties at Louisville with his family, so it makes perfect sense. And if you're Mac, you'd be silly not to take that because you're getting paid an exorbitant amount of money to do the exact same thing that you did at Xavier, a place that you love, and you get to do it in arguably the best basketball league in the nation. So it, it makes sense on all fronts. Uh, I think Louisville was desperate. I think the number uh, number of years and the number of uh, uh, dollars attached to the years. Uh, speaks to that, but I also think Mac will be solid. I don't think it, I, I don't think I, I maybe I agree with you. He might not make a Final Four, but guess what? I bet he makes a bunch of Sweet Sixteens. That's and not that's I, not, not going to be good enough at Louisville. Well, he's, go, maybe, he's, go, maybe, he's going to Louisville now. That's my point. Right, but I'm I'm telling you, maybe after this big mess, maybe everybody is okay with that the first couple of years. First couple, yes. Length of the seven year contract, no. I'll go on to mm. the record right now, partner. I don't think that. Louisville makes a Final Four in the next seven years of the of the Chris Mack era. I would have hired Thad Mata. I think Thad Mata did it just as well, if not better, at Xavier. And yep. then Thad Mata went to Ohio State and got to a championship game. Just Good my point. two cents. Good point. Um, I, I, and Thad Mata is a no-nonsense guy. 
I don't think that that he would have been you know caught up in any of the games that Louisville's got caught up in the past uh, three years. We can go around the litany of events that have like sullied that program and that best you know and that university. But I don't think Thad Mata get caught up in any of that. I think that's a, a good point. And re- uh, and really quick, I think the parallel is there. So Thad Mata takes over Ohio State in 2004, 2005. They're ineligible. Here's Thad right. Mata, NCAA round of 32, runner up for the national title. NIT champs, loses in the first round, Sweet 16, Sweet 16, Final Four, Elite Eight. I'm just mm. saying. Yeah, that's a good run right there. I, I don't think Mac gives them that. If he does, he's going to get another seven-year contract. Uh, totally agreed. I, 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 yeah, I think you're right on there. Uh, how about UConn and Dan Hurley? Uh, Dan Hurley uh, leaves URI, goes to historic UConn. UConn does have four national titles uh, and has been on down times, much like uh, Louisville. Uh, this past year, though Louisville was competitive this year, UConn was not competitive the last two years. So I think they needed some new blood, a new voice, uh, and they definitely went with the name. And I think it, I think this even more so than Louisville and and Chris Mack is the absolute perfect uh, coupling here. I think UConn needed a no nonsense uh, business uh, oriented guy that gets results and also have a name attached that has some uh, historic uh, NCA lore, which the Hurley name does. And I think that all he did at URI was win. And I don't think he's going to do anything but that at UConn. If he gets the same type of players that he got at URI and you and, and can do the exact same thing at UConn, guess what? They're going to be really competitive in the American and be right back up towards the front of that conference just like they belong, just like that program belongs. I'm not sure about Danny Hurley either. <laughs> if I'm Danny Hurley, partner... I'm staying at Rhode Island. They offered to up his money. Mm-hmm. They offered to build him a new practice facility. And they offered to give him charter flights. I get it. You're a Hurley, which means that you want the big name. Bobby's at Arizona State. You want to go somewhere big. Danny wants to go to Louisville. I get it. UConn. I like that he has Tom Moore back, who is Calhoun's mm-hmm. longtime assistant and then left and went to Quinnipiac for 10 years. I like that. But I'll ask the same question. Dan Hurley makes a sweet 16 during the life of this contract. You think so? Yep, I think he does. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I think it's okay. I like it. I, I put it this way. In terms of the expectation of the program and whether I think the coach can meet those, I like Hurley to UConn better than Mac to Louisville. But uh, how about this? Who's more likely to make a Sweet 16 first, Hurley or Mac? Boy, that's a great question. At least to me, it is. Maybe to other people, it's obvious. <laughs> um, I mean, Mac has more talent coming back. Hurley's got to do a, a, a mini rebuild. <laughs> See, I think Mac will. Get, right. I think Mac is a Sweet 16 guy. I think I do that's too. Mac's comfort zone. So I will say I will say Mac and Louisville. How about, I how about the, one of them sniffing the Final Four? Second question: Who wins a league title first, Mac or Hurley? It's got to be Hurley, right? In the next five Le- years, lesser league? No. In the next five years? Yeah. I don't think either one of them does. Okay. Believe that's a, that's a that fair might, answer. You know, yeah, that's, like yeah, that's I mean, a fair answer. I mean, listen, Hurley's got some some talent there in that league, right? I mean, they're talking Wichita State. They're talking Cincinnati. Samson's got Houston. Right. SMU. Five years from now, when I'm bald and fat, we're still doing this podcast five years from now, partner, 
Neither one of them has won a league title. That you can take to the bank. Interesting. Okay. Let's move on to Georgia. And Georgia hires Tom Crean. Georgia did have uh, Coach Fox in place. They did have a great player in Yante Maton this past year. Uh, Kareen has did an unbelievable job, I thought, in the studio and on games behind the mic uh, for ESPN. So it's nice to get him back on the sideline, although I did enjoy his work in studio and, and, and uh, uh, calling games. So that'll you know we'll miss that part. But what's your feel on Georgia hiring Tom Crean and Tom Crean taking the Georgia job? How about Mike Randall gets positive for once on this podcast? I love Tom Crean. You got to, yeah, all right, there you go. I, I, I love Tom Crean going to we Georgia. Got something. There we go. Tom Crean took an Indiana program that was a disaster. They were 6-25 and 25 in his first year. Then he went back-to-back Sweet 16s. He had three Sweet 16s, but very similar to Chris Mack. That's mm-hmm. not going to be good enough in Indiana. But he is a program builder. He's going to the SEC. He gets a lot of energy there. He's been to a Final Four with Dwayne Wade and Marquette. I love this hire. I think it's a name brand. I like the guy. He's been in big-time conferences. I love the Tom Crean hire. How about this? Do you think he makes a Sweet 16 before Hurley and Mack? No, I don't. Because my only question with Crean, I like Crean. I I think he was excellent in the studio. And I think that matters, by the way. John Gruden. Okay. I I think that does get the needle moves and make you more money. (laughs) It it does. Yes, it does. Just a reminder, partner. After the final four with Marquette, remember how Tom Crean finished there before he went to Ohio State? Not very smooth. Well, that's how good Dwayne Wade was. And NIT quarterfinals, NIT first round, lost in the first round of the tournament, lost in the first round of the tournament, lost in the second round of the tournament. Yep. Eh, but I right. think he gets Georgia back. I think Georgia's making the semifinals of the SEC conference tournament before like- any of those other things happen. How about okay. that? I like that. Yeah, I can see that. That's what I think. Uh, okay. One of our favorites, this goes back to like our childhood, Memphis hires Penny Hardaway, little Penny. He has deep roots in that community. He, he grew up in this community. He decided to come back home after having an illustrious uh, NBA career, uh, multiple time all-star. And he comes back and, and the story that he, how he got into coaching is pretty amazing. He, he just, you know, got called in by one of his buddies, one of his local buddies, who's a, I don't know, a middle school coach. And then the middle school coach says, Hey, can you come in and just, you know, talk some uh, zone defense and how to break down a zone offense, so on and so on comes in. And then, you know, Hey, Kent Penny, can you come back? Sure. And he, so it's a weekly thing. And then he comes back and he just sh- starts showing up every day. And then uh, uh, tragedy strikes. The, the, the coach becomes sick. Uh, and Penny takes over the team and then Penny falls in love with coaching and boom, somehow he's climbed up the ladder and like has taken the grinder route in some strange way to get to this Memphis job uh, and has like, you know, ties to local guys that are really talented there. And I think he might get some of the local talent that uh, Tubby Smith was not able to get. Uh, and plus, he, I mean, of all the names we read off on this list, I think Penny Hardaway's name might be the most famous name or the biggest name of all the names that we're going to read off on this coaching list. Like he's the most recognizable out of all these. He has the most like clout or, or, or impact. Um, so what do you think of Memphis hiring Penny Hardaway? And what do you think of Penny Hardaway, like giving a coaching a try at his alma mater, uh, uh, a la Mullen and, and Ewing? Well, there's two things I want to cover. The first one is Tubby Smith. Tubby Smith went to Memphis and in two consecutive years, one went 19 and 13 and 21 and 13. Now that's not too shabby at Memphis. Here's the issue with Tubby Smith. Number one, he didn't put fannies in the seats. 
And when you mm-hmm. can't figure something out, the answer is always money. So I think that Penny Hardway, Hardaway is a superior hire and that he's going to put Fannie in the seats. I remember that they said the attendance oh, dropped right. down to 4000 per year with Tubby. And that's a shame. I think Tubby is a really, really solid college basketball coach. He won a title at Kentucky in his first year there. Then he went to Elite Eight the next year. He had two Sweet 16s, then two more Elite Eights. But he yeah. finished up in Kentucky going round of 32, round of 32, and that's not going to cut it. He goes out to Minnesota and he pulls that program around. They make the tournament a couple times. They win one game, but then they lose. And then he goes to Texas Tech and doesn't do much. Now, I have somebody who's a high school basketball coach who went to Tubby Smith's practices once, Gus, and said that they were one of the most disorganized practices he's ever seen. Now, Mm. that's not I'm not saying that to criticize Tubby. What I'm saying is I think Tubby is a player's coach. And I think that that can definitely win. Tubby now is taking a job at High Point. He got hired, he got hired by High Point where he used to play, and I'm sure he'll do a fantastic job. But I think that this hire makes sense. I think Tubby is obviously a better coach than Penny Hardaway because Penny Hardaway hasn't coached at this level. Oh, by the way, Tubby Smith won a national title and he's been to two Elite Eights. So I think that's got to be worth something. But I agree with the move. I think it's a move that had to happen if you have a chance to bring in a former star of Penny Hardaway's caliber, who at one point was one of the best players in the NBA. One could argue the best or at least one of the top two, right? Uh Agreed. I totally agree with you there. I think, Injury, yeah. Injuries robbed us of seeing his talent like bloom further. I think you have to bring him in. And I love Tubby. I wish him well in high point. But I actually agree with this move, even though I recognize Tubby's a superior coach. Sure. I, I, I'm, I'm on board with everything you said there. I think it's a great hire for Memphis, uh, again, for, just for the name recognition alone. And I think they had to part ways with Tubby Smith just because it wasn't working out, uh, you know, recruiting wise. And you mentioned like, the, you know, the ticket sales. I, and that's part of the equation. That, yeah. that has to be. You got to listen to it. Yeah. 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 And then we'll run down a couple other ones. Uh, Mike, if you, you know, you want to add in anything here, please just jump in. Colorado State hires former Drake coach from the Valley, Nico Medvedev. Seems like a solid hire. Um, Drake's always competitive in the Valley. Arkansas Little Rock uh, hires a former NBA guard, Daryl Walker. He coached for both the Wizards and the Raptors in, in his uh, coaching uh, his coaching tree. And then Western Carolina hired uh, Mark Prosser, a son of legendary coach Skip Prosser. He was assistant at Winthrop with Pat Kelsey for uh, six seasons. You mentioned uh, Tubby Smith went to High Point. He said this is his dream job. It's his alma mater. And just a you know just a, a note there on High Point, they play in the Big South and they've never reached the twenty. So imagine if Tubby Smith can bring his alma mater and get that automatic bid in the Big South. I think that'd be job well done on his part. And then we'll just end with a couple of question marks, Mike. What does Xavier do uh, now that Chris Mack has left the building? And what does URI do now that um, Dan Hurley has left the building? And a couple other ones are still open. You know, you got Fresno State. That's an appealing job out west. Uh, You have LaSalle in the A-10. Of course, you have Middle Tennessee. Uh, where Kermit was, and then you have San Diego uh, in the West Coast Conference, which has a opening as well, and that's always interesting because you want to see what West Coast Conference team can step up and, and you know up their game with uh, St. Mary's and, and Gonzaga. If any feel on uh, Zapier, which way they might go? Yeah, I, well, just going through the names that you mentioned, I, I like Medvev going to Colorado State. I thought your right. point about Becky Hammond was very interesting. I, sure. I, but I, I, Medvev seems very solid. Furman, Minnesota, Colorado State assistant, sort of a journeyman. Great mind yeah. here. Had a, a, you know, he's age 44. He's ready to, to make a return. I love Daryl Walker to Arkansas Little Rocks. I think whenever you can bring an NBA guy in 
you know, to a, a small school like that. There's a lot of excitement that comes about. I'm fine with Mark Prosser. We talked about Tubby Smith. Xavier looks like they're going to stay in-house. They're talking about Travis Steele. They're also floating ideas about Pat Kelsey from Winthrop. You know, I don't know if you can trust Pat Kelsey. Right? Pat Kelsey, remember he took the UMass job and he right, backed out right. again. And then, then turned around and went back to Winthrop. Brandon from Northern Kentucky I think is interesting. But the fact that Travis Steele did not go with Mac to Louisville certainly means that he thinks he's going to get the job. So I think they'll stay local. And my question is, where's Thad Mata going to land? I mean, listen, I think he's right. the most accomplished resume coach out there. I think he's only 50 years old. So, I mean, he's still ready to coach. And that's a guy who's been able to build a program. He did a great job in Xavier, turned to Ohio State around. I mean, I don't know why he's still sitting on the sidelines. I mean, the guy can recruit you. Greg Oden? I mean, I, so yeah, I don't think he's going back to Con- Xavier. Conley? Right. Yeah, yeah Conley. I, I don't think he's going back to Ron Lewis. Remember him? But I, 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 but I, I think that he's somebody well – I think somebody needs to get that, that job soon. So, overall, the coaching carousel is exciting. Let's see what happens. And I got one more for you for URI. You ready? How about Rick Patino to Rhode Island? They have a penchant for hiring big names. If you meant, remember, they hired um, a former UCLA coach, uh, and they made that Elite Eight run with Lamar Odom. And they you know, hired Hurley. So they might be looking for another name more than anything else. So I think Patino might be an interesting name that might pop up out of nowhere for Rhode Island. Interesting. Uh, at Middle Tennessee, I didn't talk about them really quick. Uh, they got Nick uh, McDevitt, who was the last five seasons as a UNC Asheville coach. He's oh. gonna, he's going to replace Kermit. Uh, so he's over there at Middle Tennessee, which I think is exciting, and, and we certainly we wish him well. Listen, I, 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 by the way, I think that's a great hire. I would love for Patino to come back. I think it's great theater. They won't touch him with a 10-foot pole. Got it. They I'm, will, just, I, I'm, they, just, I'm just floating I, that out there. I, I think I think it's past practice. oh, I think it's wonderful, and uh, I I would I would love to see it. I just don't think they'll touch it with a ten foot pole. I think he comes with way too much baggage. I know what you're saying too with Rhode Island, but I I just think it's 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 too sticky. But it would be great theater. Yeah, listeners, thank you for uh, uh, you know listening to the Screen Screener College Basketball Podcast. Thanks for listening to our final four picks. You know, hopping on the coaching carousel with us. If you really like what you're listening to, please don't forget to give the podcast. It's a positive review on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That would be awesome. Also, if you're looking for a follow, don't forget to follow Mike at Randall Rant on Twitter. He's both insightful and entertaining. Uh, and give the podcast a follow at SDS Podcast. Efficiency of keystrokes, of course. And if you're looking to consume more of the podcast you know, in past and you want to dial one up from over the summer or something like that, you can hit RandallRant.com and you can access all the previous podcasts that we've put out on that site. And then Mike also has some cool write-ups uh, for the college basketball season in his short corner section. So go check those out. Mike, anything else for the listeners out there today? No, I can't wait for those final four games. Coaching carousels moving and soon we're going to be here for NBA Draft talking about everybody who's declaring who should not be. Perfect. All right, listeners. Salasha Gratzu Cheers. Arigato. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch up with you soon. Enjoy the final four. 